Hello, and welcome to the 76th episode of the iRace We Gamble podcast. We're not headed to Martinsville, but I am your host, Alex Crum, and I'm joined again by Josh Slimer. I may still go to Martinsville, but NASCAR definitely isn't. No, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's the same state, right? Martinsville, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. I'm close. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, it's a we got... similar style tracks, I guess. Yeah, it's a short track. There's the short track package. Everything I said last week isn't completely meaningless, but it's definitely not. We won't worry about that. We're we're on to we're on to Richmond. Um, but before we get there, uh, do want to mention we've got a lot of penalties and appeals to penalties flying around lately. Um, Hendrick won their appeal today as we record this on Thursday. Um, well, partially won their appeal. They had their 100 points and uh, 10 playoff points that were taken from the drivers uh, reinstated, and I think owner's points too, but they still had to pay the $100,000 per car fine, and the crew chiefs are still out for four weeks. So that is an interesting choice. I think some people are mad because they're like, oh, Hendrick getting special treatment, but I think, at least in my view, they didn't even race with the parts on the car so it's kind of weird to take away points when they didn't earn any points with those parts. Very different from Brad Keselowski and Harvick's 100-point penalties, which they got post-race, not pre-race. So I think that's a good enough reason. I'm curious your take on that, Josh. Anything? I don't really have anything meaningful to add to it. I was just actually scrolling through the um, the point standings. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they've been updated everywhere. Does not look like they've been updated on JSKI yet. Yeah, this was within the last, like, I don't know. 24-ish hours? I feel like it was yesterday evening I got the alert. Yeah, yeah. So it was recent enough. I'm sure we'll get an updated points scorecard out somewhere. Um, so keep an eye out for that if you want to know what's actually going on with the point situation. But I think the biggest winner for that is probably Bowman, who didn't have a win yet. Maybe Larson, but we expect him to get a win. And then, obviously, Byron's 10 playoff points were pretty big. Yeah, so we were looking at the points after Coda and before this announcement was made and commenting how Chastain, Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick were three of the top four. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, on, I'm, I'm on, the, on the official NASCAR website now. Bowman jumps all the way up into first. That's crazy. With 226 points, then Chastain, then Byron at 197. Kyle Busch, Logano, Harvick, Bell, Blaney, then we get to Larson in ninth now. And then obviously Chase Elliott has some work to do, but I think we anticipate him probably winning at least one race and not having to worry about those points all that much. Yep, definitely. Um... Yeah, I mean, to your point, Harvick, Bush, and Chastain are still all in the top six. So that's cool. I'm I'm glad that the drivers we root for are doing well. It's always nice. Um, and then uh, Denny Hamlin's 25-point penalty, I think it was, and fine for what he said on his podcast. There's an appeal hearing for that. I think either it was today or it is tomorrow. Um, should get a decision on that, but nothing as of yet. I double-checked before we started recording. Didn't see any new news from our good old Bob Pockris on Twitter. So I assume there's no decision there yet. 
Um, and then Suarez got a $50,000 fine for his actions post-race at Coda because he basically tracked down Bowman to try to hit him. But by the time he got to him, it, he was on pit road. So that's a big no-no. There's, you know, normal people wearing some att- protective equipment, but not enough to protect you from a car uh, on pit road. And you don't you don't mess with uh, crashing people there when there's bystanders and all that kind of stuff. So they gave him a fifty thousand dollar fine. I would have been fine with a small points penalty too, but either way, I think it gets the point across. Don't do that. Um, yeah, he was just channeling his inner Kyle Bush. <laughs> what do you mean, Kyle Bush didn't hit anybody? No, but last year he decided to just completely drive off pit road into the garage area at significant speeds. You know, you're right. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> I like to forget the bad things and remember the good things when it comes to Kyle. You know, uh, forget forgetting quite a bit. I yeah, you got to protect myself. <laughs> um. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, first, do you want to give uh, iRacing update? And we'll we'll talk about F1 a little. And then we'll get to Richmond after Coda. But uh, in iRacing, the Coke Series race this week was at Richmond as well. Um, they were kind of a shit show, which was unfortunate because they actually played a clip from Denny Hamlin's podcast about like uh, the 2311 Coke Series team and the fact that he had one of his drivers working with Tyler Reddick on the, you know, sort of road course program at the sim. Uh, so that was kind of cool to hear about that during the during the race. But then they proceeded to just have caution after caution after caution, which I guess isn't unlike the real thing. So maybe, again, iRacing actually is the real life uh, equivalent, but it sometimes doesn't seem like it with how much stuff goes on there. Um, I did do some road racing at Coda last week and uh, was pretty happy. I did a kind of last minute NIS race, so that's like half distance, and uh, managed to get an eighth place finish after starting in the twenties. So that was cool. Um, I've been doing pretty decent at Richmond, enjoying that so far uh, this week. And then uh, the Gen Four I saw was at Charlotte, which is the basically the ARCA car with NASCAR power. Um, and I was like, oh, this is going to be exciting. I'm good at Charlotte, and I like this Gen Four car they've come out with. But it turns out that's actually really hard. Um, the amount of tire wear that happens over the course of a run with the old car is really so you have to manage yourself a lot more. Be like you, you can't slip the tires as much as I'm used to in some of the other cars. So um struggling with that a little bit, but kind of you know, I think it's a good thing if it's a struggle, it makes it a new challenge. Um so that's cool. But that's all I've been doing in iRacing. Um follow us at iRace We Gamble. Obviously, we'll we'll tweet stuff out. I'll Sometimes share clips of races and stuff like that on there. So um, check it out for iRacing news. Check it out for gambling advice. We will post about it throughout the weekend as qualifying and other things happen, uh, whether it's F1 or NASCAR. All right. F1 this weekend. I don't think anyone's going to be watching that sleeps normal hours uh, in America because it starts 1 a.m. on the East Coast in Australia. Um, so if you're setting your lineup, like, uh, Josh was before the podcast, make sure to do it before Saturday night. Um, unless you plan on doing it at 12 AM Saturday, but I feel like you'd you'd be doing better things, either sleeping or going out. I don't know which, uh, but yeah, 1am race in Australia. Uh, I think we both have some lineup changes ready to go. Josh, what did you end up doing before we uh, started the pod for your lineup? Um, so I made two changes. I went to, um, 
I took Norris out and just going to get myself away from the McLaren troubles until they figure something out. Um, I decided to actually go down in cost to uh, Joe Guan Yu. And then um, that savings there allowed me to to pull out of Ferrari because they're clearly not the second best team right now. I'd argue probably the fourth best team yeah. so far this year. Um, but that little bit of money that I saved, I think roughly $6 million that I saved um, allowed me to actually jump up from Ferrari to Red Bull. So now I'm able to have Red Bull and Aston Martin as my constructors. And I would argue that's two of the top three teams, if not the top two teams right now. So I'm hoping to really kind of, you know, hoping that the, the lineup pillars that Verstappen and Leclerc were last year are now going to be Verstappen, the Red Bull team, and Aston Martin moving forward for me. And then I'll, you know, you know, piddle and paddle and mess around with the other things. Um, depending on how Ferrari continues to look, I might move away from Carlos Sainz. Um, yeah. That would free up a significant amount of money in my budget as well. So that's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, I think that all makes sense to me based on what we've been seeing so far this year uh, with McLaren struggles and Ferrari kind of not being where they were, to your point. Um, for me, I, I actually also have Aston and Red Bull as my two constructors, so I'm on the same page with you there. Uh, I have Verstappen as well, so that's another similarity. Uh, already had uh, Joe Guan Yu in my lineup, so another. So we got four out of four the same, but then uh, I'm expecting that I'll probably want to trade out Leclerc for uh, Perez, because I think, at least right now, that's a massive upgrade, but it's a decrease in price. And then I can also, that allows me to move up from Yuki Tsunoda to Lance Stroll, which if he doesn't have a mechanical issue for once, uh, he'll actually have a great finish because he's been running top six or so. So if Stroll can uh, make himself valuable at 7.5 million, I already have Alonzo. So I'm essentially, I've gone 100% Aston and 100% Red Bull. I have both drivers and constructor, which is definitely a little dangerous if they have an issue. But um, the fact that they can fit in a lineup, I think, makes sense. And then my my kind of wild card driver is Joe Guan Yu because he's really cheap and effective at his price point. So um, definitely putting my eggs, my my Easter eggs, in a and some very specific blue and green baskets. But uh, I think it'll work out. All right, should we talk about Circuit of the Americas and some of the F one drivers actually that were in that race? Uh, speaking of F one. We had Jensen Button, Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, you had Jordan Taylor from the IMSA series, not F1. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, who I know we talked about before the podcast. He had a bad day, but um, yeah, I don't know. Any any big takeaways from you? I don't know if you saw any of the post-race stuff from any of those guys, but there's some interesting comments I saw. Um, I wasn't able to digest any of the post-race stuff, but just reactions from watching. Um, Kimi Raikkonen looked really, really good out there. I think the the biggest thing that kind of caught him up was just how much contact there was. And I think really, really specifically, because we saw him fall way back into the field on that first turn with all of those restarts. Um, you know, the F1 drivers really don't lean on each other's cars like that no. as they're going around the track. Um, but you're 
you're bumping and banging and trading paint all throughout that first turn, especially when it's going four or five wide sometimes. So I think he just got a little bit caught up in that toward the end of it. But altogether, I thought he ran a really good race just to put himself in a position for a potential top five going into those restarts. I thought it was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, he definitely uh, managed to have the right strategy, similar to like Kyle Busch there at the end, able to find his way to the front. I was definitely worried because Kyle Busch kind of got off strategy. Um, listening to his radio, it sounded like it was just basically like they didn't have the long run speed they expected, and he flat spotted the tires, so they were just like, might as well pit, and it kind of worked out with the way the cautions fell. So that was, honestly, the, the, the lock of the eight worked out in terms of like he was in the ideal lineup, and that's great and all, but in terms of how he ran, I really wasn't as impressed as I was hoping to be. Um, your lock of Reddick was 100% the, the play. Um, we saw it in qualifying, and it held true in the race. But uh, the race did take a while. You, you spoke to the cautions. I mean, uh, it, I mean, we, we talked about some different ideas for how to prevent like these kind of extended overtime finishes. I think, obviously, it's made worse by the length of the track. But do you want to talk a little bit about those or... What do you think? Yeah, so I I have a proposal that's probably going to be met with extreme opposition on one side and extreme favoritism on the other, because it is a very, very radical idea. Um, I think this is probably just a road course thing, and it kind of, you know, echoes what you were saying about just the length of the track. Yeah. We're 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 seeing all the nonsense happening right now on a lot of these restarts in the mid to back of the pack where you're really not running for anything at that point and maybe you just got some frustration boiling over um maybe you, you know you just want to get home so you're not paying as good of attention to what you're actually doing out there I don't know it could be a whole plethora of things I don't want to you know, kind of sit here and pontificate about it all that much. But I think you do your restart on these road courses, and if another caution comes out before they get to that white flag, car 21 to the end of the pack goes right onto pit road, and that's their finishing position for the race. Only the top 20 cars stay out for the next restart. I I think you start that way. Sure. I would probably be in favor for knocking an additional five off for the next two restarts if there are. So you get down to just the top ten. Yeah, I I definitely think there's a like a stage system to this where you start by eliminating the back and then move forward if it keeps happening. Um what I think makes sense is if you if the race is going to overtime, right? That means it's going past its scheduled distance. If we didn't have overtime, this is where you would finish. So I have a hard time thinking, like, what driver could really make the argument that, like, hey, I deserve to run these extra laps. It's like, well, no, you you ran the race distance and you didn't get yourself into the top 20. You're good. Like, we don't need you in this race. Um, I would take it a step back a little bit and i would say if you're a lap down or more take them off the track right because i mean those guys they literally don't need to be on the track so take that so for that so for that proposal are you proposing that for all tracks or just road courses i think it'd be fine at all tracks but 
Um, maybe as a trial thing at road courses, same thing with like, we didn't have stage breaks and we're only doing that at road courses. Right. So I think if you're going to float this idea, maybe try it in, uh, try it at road courses only, or try it in an all-star race or try it in a preseason race or something like that. Um, obviously we'd need specific races for that to fit, but, um, right. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. Um, cause you're not going to make a lap up on a road course. Oh yeah, no. It, I mean, but if if there's four restarts at Martinsville, yeah, you can, add, you can add. In theory, you're adding four more cars back to the lead lap. If there's four cars that are only one lap down, yeah. No, I, I see your point there. I think, I think either way, like lopping off the back part of the field in some form is should be totally acceptable. I've I've when NASCAR has sort of redone their point systems a couple different times, and I've always been in favor of uh, the F1 style point system that literally only awards you points for finishing in the top half. There's 20 cars. If you finish in the top 10, you get points. If you finish 11th or 20th, you get zero points because at that point you didn't make the top, like you, you didn't do well enough. And that like for, I would make it like maybe the top 25 get points. Because I really don't care about the guy racing for 27th. I'll be, I'm sorry, you're in 27th. That's unfortunate for you. But like, I, I think that would be a reasonable way to handle it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's one idea. I know I've heard it, heard uh, a couple different, there's a ton of NASCAR podcasts at this point, whether they're drivers or crew chiefs or whatever. But I've heard the idea of uh, single file restarts being a thing for overtime. We I saw that. It. I mean, we saw it at Bristol Dirt when things were shitty, but I think that's like our last resort and feels a little like you're decreasing the excitement everywhere when you could just be getting rid of the back part. I think another thing I thought of when like trying to come up with uh, arguments against this, because I want to like, you know, really test it out. Um, Let's say you get to overtime and you... I don't know. I don't know the best way to put this. Let's so actually in the in the Coda race, there was probably a caution with, I think, like 10 to go. And so let's say, you know, you get going again. There's like less than five to go. You know, if there's a caution, there's going to be an overtime restart. So what you decide is, well, screw this guy in front of me. I'm just going to spin him out. And if he has to restart 25th, he's he's done. I don't have to worry about him. And the best example of this I can think of is like, I think Ross Chastain spun out with like eight to go was back in, I don't know where he ended up finishing fourth in the, at Coda. So like you're eliminating guys. He dropped down to 13th. Was it really only that bad? I thought it was worse. I think so. Yeah. Cause there was one where he was like backwards on the track. I thought he was like 25th at that point, but I, I guess like the scenario Still, in your head, do you think that's a legitimate argument against this? Or do you think that that's just, do you make exceptions for guys who are intentionally wrecking others? Or, Well, I, I think, yeah, yeah. So this is, this is tough because here you're hitting that gray area. Yep. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I would have, I would have to read up on what NASCAR's policy is for intentional wrecking if they have anything right now. Because I assume I would assume that the way to to kind of poo poo that is to you know give them a twenty five point penalty, right? Yeah, I mean they gave one to Denny, so 
there's precedent in that regard. Um, yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be curious to see what you could and couldn't get away with. And I think that that's the only part of the system that you'd have to question is the intentional uh, sort of manipulation aspect. Uh, maybe you break check a guy and a restart to get him to do. I, I don't know. These are all things that, you know, the driver shouldn't be doing in any way. So there should be kind of other incentives to prevent these things other than what we're discussing. I think what we're discussing is kind of its own separate idea and i actually really like it like you, you i think you texted it to me i don't know if it was during the end of the race or after but i was like honestly shocked that i had never thought of it <laughs> i was like damn it it's a good fucking idea <laughs> i think at the very least it's a conversation that people should be having yeah i mean just like people are talking about the single file restarts it's another idea that i think at least needs to be explored but, yeah i agree it should be explored but i got to stand staunchly on the side of I don't want to ever see single file restarts again. That's fair. They're not as fun. Not at all. Um, all right. I think we, we, we covered Coda pretty, pretty well there. Um, mentioned oh, one, one more thing before yeah. we move on too far. No stage break should be in every single race. It was great. They were actually racing that entire race. <laughs> It was awesome. It was so much better. We were 15 laps into the race, and even the commentators in the booth were saying, wow, these guys are racing like there's seven to go already. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what we want? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's what I want. Yeah. I don't know if I, if I speak for every NASCAR fan, but I want to see guys racing the entire race and not just you know playing nice with each other until there's 30 to go. I think uh, we got the right track and sort of combination of everything for it to work really well. I, I, it was really fun to watch. Like Byron, Reddick, Suarez, Chastain was up there. There was like a group of four or five guys who were always up front and battling. And yeah, it was it was really fun to watch. And there was lots of the different pit strategy going on too. Like Reddick was on this sort of three-stop strategy. There were other guys trying to do two stops. It all got thrown out the window with all the cautions that ended up happening, but I mean, Kyle Busch took advantage of that opportunity, like I said earlier, in terms of pit strategy. So I think it just has, it provides more opportunities for naturally interesting things to happen instead of saying, like, here's three, here's two short races that you kind of care about and one longer race that you're actually going to care about, which is kind of how it feels right now. Agreed. Um, our draft kind of sucked. We just nailed the eight, the 45, and the one. I guess we had the 24 and the 4 in there, but they were sp spread across too many different lineups. So you could make a really good lineup out of five of those guys. We just didn't have the right five. Um, and I don't think we got any winnings in terms of FanDuel, but you, you made a unit off of Reddick's win, right? I did. Uh, I technically made two units off of the Reddick win, but I gave one of those back because I ended up doing two half-unit bets on Kyle Busch throughout the race to average him out at a plus 1,500. Um, unfortunately, that didn't come to fruition, but I'll take a one-unit win. It's better than nothing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely uh, was too all-in with Kyle from the start, so didn't make any money this weekend, but you'll have those weekends. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to Richmond, which, as we said, is in Virginia. But is not Martinsville. Um, 
400 laps, uh, three-quarter mile track, so that's 300... Wait. Now I don't know math. 400 laps? Yeah, 300 miles. Okay, all, that all checks out. Uh, 70 laps for the first stage, 160 for the second, 170 for the third. They have nine tire sets for race day, so I would assume with the two caution or the two brakes, you have seven left over, one pit stop down to six. So you essentially have like three tire sets for each stage, and you could probably plan on using two for the longer ones, um, but not a lot of extra tire sets. So I, I don't expect, I mean, I know tire wear is a big thing. I, I don't know if anyone's going to try to do a one-stop strategy. We saw that fail pretty miserably for Brad Keselowski last year or the year before. So I don't know. We'll we'll see, but uh, let's get into the draft because I don't want to give any hints about who I want to pick. <sighs> it worked out pretty well for you last week. You got a win against me. Yeah, barely, though. <laughs> yeah, and if the 23 didn't decide to drive right through the side of Larson, <laughs> it probably would have been different. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you have a uh, first pick, right? Uh, no, you have first pick. I thought I had first pick last week. Am I crazy? You are crazy. God damn it. I hate being crazy. Because I took my I took my buy low of Bubba, assuming that you were going to take right. Kyle Busch, which was right. So you were actually only taking one driver off the board of guys who I was looking at. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> damn it. Uh, all right, I'm going to start with my buy low then, and I waffled over this a lot prior to the podcast, like trying to decide who I liked as a buy low because I think there's a lot of decent candidates, but I don't love anyone in particular. So I went with Bowman in the 48 at 8.5. I'll take a Hendrick Chevy as a buy low candidate. Just seems like an easy choice. He's been pretty good. He's the points leader to your point. Now that he doesn't have that hundred point penalty. So he's obviously he's running. Also, he's also not eligible for buy low. Cause he's 8,500. No, no, no. It's, it's under nine. Thought it was under eight. No, it's under nine. You, you can, there's evidence somewhere I can find. <laughs> I've been doing this wrong the whole time. <laughs> Under nine. So nine. Uh, so like this week, Bowman is the most expensive by low candidate because Reddick is the next one at nine. So he, nine and above is too high. Um, the the candidates right below Bowman, just in terms of price. So people are have some context. Kozlowski at 8.2. Busher at eight. Uh, Josh Berry at 7.8. So some other guys in that neighborhood. But I'll take Bowman. All right. I don't hate it. Um, I guess I'll just stay on this theme and I'll take my buy low right now. It's going to be the 17 of Busher. Nice. Um, he actually surprised me quite a bit at Coda. He looked to be completely out of it along with Keselowski, but he managed to drive his way back up into a respectable finish. I think these RFK cars are going to be pretty good here this weekend. Um, and I think we're just at the point where Busher is actually the better driver than Kozlowski. So I'll take him as my buy low to start the lineup off. Then I might as well just go ahead and take my lock here. And I am going to make that Kevin Harvick. 
I couldn't believe when I went back and looked at Richmond last year, I actually couldn't believe his stats. I, I like forgot that he did so well. Yeah, it seems like an easy pick right now for me. And it feels like he is driving this car and racing generally better this year than he was last year, um, despite oh. still being a playoff driver. I think this year he feels like he is actually challenging to get at least one win, if oh, yeah. not multiple wins. So, yeah, I'll take Harvick. 100% agree. Um the, the stats I was referencing were the fact that he finished second and first here last year. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> top two seems good. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll take it. Um, despite the package changes um, for this track this year, I think that once we get to qualifying, I am more likely than not going to try to make my lineup as much of the top 10 qualifiers as I can. So I'm still a little bit a little bit pessimistic about the fact that we're going to actually have movement in the field here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's fair. Um, I think there's enough laps that you could see some, but I mean, I also expect fast cars and qualifying to do well. So uh, I like Harvick. I have him as a top 10 as my sort of projection. Uh, think he could win the race, but kind of had like expecting maybe a, a fifth place. Uh, which would be a downgrade from last year. So, I mean, I'm I'm pessimistic and he's finishing fifth. It's still a good pick. <laughs> um, This, I think, means I have to take Kyle Busch now because I'm afraid if I give you two more picks, you'll take him away from me. Uh, and he's, he's priced down a little bit, which I was... I mean, I'm not super surprised by, but he is very good here. Um, and I feel like RCR has been decent here with like Austin Dillon in the past. I know this isn't necessarily like where Redick has shined, but I think RCR does pretty well uh, at these tracks, and I think the Chevy will do well. So I like Kyle Busch as a lock, especially at eleven thousand. That makes a lineup much easier to create um, with a potential winner at that price. I mean, we didn't talk about it, but Harvick's price is thirteen point five. That's probably the highest I've seen him priced in at least a year. Probably since 2020 when we started doing this podcast, and it was the Harvick and Hamlin show. Yeah, that's right. I remember that now. Oh, man. Good times. Uh, all right. So I have eight. I have 48. Do I want any more eights? I don't think there are any more eights, actually. <laughs> 38. I don't want him. Um, I guess I'll take the hottest hand and say Byron. I mean, it seems like literally everywhere we go, he's fast and like has a chance to win. Um, I I don't mind having multiple Hendrick. I don't mind having three Chevys. So he's a little pricey, which this this makes the rest of my lineup a little tricky uh, because my buy low is literally at the ceiling of the of the buy low candidates. Um, so I'm spending a lot of money at this point, but I like I like ha- all these drivers so far. So I'll take. Best available. All right. I am not in the position of needing to save cash right now, but I am going to save some cash right here um, and take the other driver that I was considering as my bylaw. I'm going to take your boy Kyle's teammate, and I'm going to take Austin Dillon in the three. I don't know why I didn't take him when I brought his name up. <laughs> like, why would I bring him up and then just leave him <laughs> on the board? <laughs> so stupid. 
Yeah, it's an interesting move. Um, I don't really want to fill a complete lineup out here like I'm doing a super speedway right now, but there are a lot of drivers priced low that I actually do like quite a bit. Okay. Um, Good news for me. I could round my lineup out right now and be very, very happy with it and still have... A little bit over $13,000 of salary remaining. Wow. Um, I'm I'm using all my budget, just so you know. Kind of wild. (laughs) Um, Yeah, let's see. I'm not going to do that yet, though. Um, and I'm going to just stay up. I'm going to go back up to the top of the board here, and I'm going to take Denny Hamlin uh, for 12500 here. It's a good pick. Did he... What did he do here last year? Did he get a win? I can't remember. Uh, that's a good question. He did. He won the uh, this race here last year. Um, Kevin Harvick finished second to him, and four top fives in his last five races. Pretty good. Uh, average finish last year of two and a half. <laughs> Second and a half. I don't know how to say that. So um, uh, first, a first and a fifth. Yeah. Yep. Uh, or actually, no. It'd be a first and a fourth because that. It, math is weird because one plus four and then divided by two. Right, right, right. right. Yep. It's, yeah. Anyways. Um, it's almost nine o'clock. It's not math brain time right now. Absolutely not. Uh, luckily, FanDuel does the math for us when I put this lineup together, so I don't have to worry about the numbers. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to take another guy that I have been... So I'm taking him because you took the three. Um, I like the three a lot. I had him in my pre, uh, pre-podcast lineup that I create usually. Um, but you took him, and I talked about him like an idiot. So instead, I'm going to drop all the way down to Corey LaJoy in the seven. I don't think Corey LaJoy is necessarily good at Richmond. I don't think Corey LaJoy has anything that tells me, like, oh, he's going to break out. It's just the fact that he's actually been, like, a top 20 car almost every week, and he's only 4,000. Like, I don't know what's going on with that team, but they've found something with him, at least. Because the 77's on the same team, and I don't see him anywhere near the 7. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna ride the, the Corey LaJoy train for a week and see how it goes. Um, because that gives me 12.5 to work with, which is a lot. I can't get Denny, because you just took him. But I can get his teammate and give myself a Toyota in Martin Truex Jr. So I've got four Chevys, one Toyota, no Fords. But the Fords haven't really looked good outside of drafting uh, tracks so far this year, so I'm I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll round it out with the seven and the nineteen. The seven pick is interesting. I really like it, considering that you're trying to save a little bit of budget right there. I absolutely love the nineteen pick. He's due, or if he doesn't do well this week, then I'm not picking the nineteen until he does well again. It's kind of a make or break for him, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'm going back into our old 
stocks. I, for some reason, I thought that I had the seven as a playoff driver, but man, he's driving like he is a playoff car right now. He is, he's, he's 18th in points. So he's literally, he's barely behind Daniel Suarez and Chris Buescher and ahead of Michael McDowell, ahead of Ty Gibbs, ahead of Bubba Wallace. Yeah. And he was in the playoffs until Hendricks got their points back. Yep. It's crazy. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pick him up. I, I honestly was like, oh, he's going to be my buy low. Like, definitely went before the pod kind of thinking about it. And then I was like, oh, his record at Richmond is not good. So that's the only thing that kept me from making him a buy low. But I do like him a lot. So I understand if you want to make him your driver this weekend. All right. So I got my last pick now. You do. And the I have 9,500. Okay. Which means the highest price driver left on the board is somebody who I will not touch at Richmond and that is the 12 of Ryan Blaney. This. Now, before you say that, he did break the spell a little bit last year because his average last year was eight and a half. Yes, and it was because of the second Richmond race. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Um, I can't, I just can't get on there. Um, the 45 of Tyler Reddick is very, very tempting here. Um, but I think I'm going to stay true to my process here. And I think I'm going to take one of the two drivers that I would have been comfortable rounding my lineup out with um, had I not taken Denny Hamlin. And I think that is going to be... Oh, this is tough. Yeah, um, you know what? I am going to um, actually kind of, I'm going to stick with this Ford train. So I'm actually going to have three Fords in this lineup with one Chevy and one Toyota rounded out. I'm going to take the 34 McDowell to finish out my lineup. Oh, interesting. What do you like about him this weekend? Um, the thing that I like the most about him is how, um, good he's been as a fantasy driver at Richmond over the last 10 races. He's actually the fourth highest rated driver for fantasy points scored at Richmond in the last 10 races. That's, that's actually a very impressive stat that I was not aware of. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he is behind only Chris Busher, Austin Dillon, and Chase Elliott. Wow. That's right crazy. ahead of Denny Hamlin, right ahead of Harvick, and then Kyle Busch, Logano, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who was the other one that I was thinking about as my final driver, and then Eric Jones round out your top ten. Okay. Yeah, all all really good names, especially for uh, guys you missed, I guess. Right? Like, um, I was I was going to say that the. I don't want to skip over that pick because I think that that is much more interesting than I realized. I, I have to assume that the 34 is also somebody who's a big place differential guy at these kind of tracks because he's not leading laps at Richmond, really. Right. So it's like it's got to be, I, I would think, middling qualifying and then a good race performance. So maybe 25th to 15th or something. 
Yeah, um, oddly enough, he does not have any top tens in his last ten races and zero lead laps. Crazy. A lot of a lot of lead lap finishes. Yeah, yeah, and that that makes sense because like at Richmond to finish on the lead lap, you're probably at the very least top twenty, more likely top fifteen. Um, and he finished thirteenth here in the fall, so that kind of supports that. Yeah, um, out of the last 10 races, it's actually a pretty interesting statistic. Um, Kyle Busch is the only driver to have 10 lead lap finishes in the last 10 races at Richmond. Hmm. Okay. Well, I like my lock then. Yeah, I don't hate it. Don't hate it at all. All right, so guys we missed, the most expensive guys are Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell. Um, I personally like Christopher Bell more than Larson. I don't love Larson at Richmond. I don't feel like he does much here. He might be okay, but he's also very expensive. So, curious. any Anyone jumping out to you? Um, Up at the top. Yeah, I think I'm okay starting with Christopher Bell. Probably yeah. throw Ross Chastain on there. Yep, he was uh, someone I had. He was someone I had in lineups, but it would have been an all Chevy lineup. No Blaney. <laughs> Definitely no Blaney. Um, we want to throw a Ford into the mix here. I think I'm going all the way down. I'm skipping Kozlowski. I'm skipping Almarola. I think the next Ford that catches my eye is probably Briscoe. Yeah. Agreed there. Um, I think he did decent. He did decent at Phoenix earlier this year, which was finally like him. And it's the most similar track they've raced at so far this year, with at least with this package. So I have those stats available. So I think he could get a top 10. Um, I, I'm projecting him to finish a disappointing 20th, but that's I, I, I really I think he could finish anywhere from 10th to 20th, and it just sort of these projections are not scientific, is I guess what I'll say. <laughs> I like Bush. I like Briscoe in the 14. Yeah, um, I I really do like Stenhouse here. Um, and I also like what Stenhouse has quietly been doing for fantasy this year. Um, in the seven races that he's been in, um, he's only averaging three tenths of a fantasy point less than Corey LaJoy. And we're talking about Corey LaJoy, but we're not talking about Stenhouse. That's a good point. I- I'll I'll make the uh, the subtle argument that it's partially because of uh, Daytona, but you could make the subtle argument that. Corey LaJoy is because of Atlanta. So, right. They both have their strong suits. So, we've got with the 20, the 1, the 14, and the 47, which leaves us with the board available. With the board available, I'm fine with putting Larson in there as just a guy who we expect to do well. I don't know if you want to fight for anyone else. Yeah, no, I'm fine with Larson. The only other one I would maybe consider the only well, the other two that I would maybe consider would be Logano or Redick, but I think I'd rather put my chips in with Larson there. Yeah. Just feels more establishment, more low risk. Although he's had some really rough races recently. Not of his doing. I mean, Almarola wrecked right in front of him 
at uh at Atlanta and then to your point Bubba Wallace lost his uh his sense of breaking or his breaking point and then ended up plowing through Larson and then he had a damaged toe link later which I don't know if it was from that but I expect that didn't help <laughs> could have been a contributing factor at least so yeah um, yeah just bad luck lately but he's he's been running well I think he's due for a turnaround I would agree. All right, so that's guys we missed. 21, 14, 47, and 5. I I mentioned the tournament lineup I created before the pod. Uh, That had the 8, the 48, and the 24 from my lineup that I already mentioned in my draft. Uh, But it has the 1 of Chastain, who we talked about in guys we missed, and then it has the 24... Or no, sorry, the 3 of uh, Austin Dillon that you picked. So... 8, 48, 3, 1, 24. What do you think of that lineup? I like it quite a bit. It's all Chevy, so it's it's specific, but it's it's a if you if you like the Chevys this weekend, that's a lineup you can go with. Yeah, it's kind of tough not to like the Chevys here too, isn't it? Yeah. I mean they've just been the strongest so far this season, I feel like. Hendrick especially. Yeah, I think I'm just just here for some Ford getting back into it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Harvick's been the lead Ford pretty much every race, so I, I don't have any doubt that he can still do well this weekend. He's just, he's the lone Ford that I like the most. And then I think you can have your pick of JGR Toyotas that you want. I think they all have a decent shot, outside of Ty Gibbs, I guess, to do well. So any one of them, and then the four of Harvick, and then three Chevys if you want to be diverse, I think is the right way to go. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, do we have any rain to deal with, or are we all set on that? <laughs> uh, we've got a lot of rain to deal with. Um, the Richmond or Richmond? <laughs> at, Rich- at Richmond. Um, we have PM rain on Friday, morning rain on Saturday. Um, so if you rewind the podcast, which I don't recommend doing, about... 10 or 15 minutes back you will hear me say there's a very good chance that i just take a lineup of the top 10 guys from where they qualified if it does end up going to the formula for some reason because of all the rain on friday and saturday that will not be the case yeah um i will lean more toward the drivers that i think are going to actually perform well rather than starting position necessarily um, but Sunday, we've got sunny skies and a high of 62, so it's going to be a nice day for racing. Love to hear it. At least we'll get the race in. That's that's the most important thing, as I try to contain the mass that is bare in my lap. Yeah, you've only got a couple more months of being able to pick him up like that. Oh, I know. God, he's so <laughs> big already compared to what he was. It's not even full size. Oh, oh just wait. Uh-huh. All right, well, <laughs> on that very obscure note and with a intro that was also fun to record, um, we'll catch you next week. <laughs>